0: As our consciousness towards inequality and discriminatory practices and policies and institutions heightens, we find ourselves as Black women in a space where we consciously see and experience the multiple ways in which inequality and discrimination impact us, being at the intersectionality of our mere existence. Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Workplace Revolution with me, Sihle Bolani. Today, we're taking the conversation to the UK with Pamela Borti, a professional personal assistant for high volume, high pressure marketing directors in the music and technology industry. With nearly 20 years experience, Pamela ensures directors, CEOs and other senior management figures in the business have every resource they need to work at their most optimal level. In September 2020, Pamela created the Instagram account, The Sisterhood UK. By highlighting the achievements and contributions of Black British women, both past and present, The Sisterhood UK aims to celebrate, empower, and inspire us all. Pamela, hello and welcome to the Workplace Revolution.
1: Hello, thank you for inviting me.
0: It's an absolute pleasure. So I came across The Sisterhood UK on Instagram. And I'm always, you know, very keen when I come across accounts that are about, you know, building communities for for black women, communities that will empower us, that will make us feel seen, um, communities that offer representation, et cetera, et cetera. But before we get into why you decided to take that route, let's talk a little bit about your background and how you have gotten to where you are.
1: Oh gosh, that is um, a long story, but I'll try to make it short and to the point. So I think it started, well, I know it started when I was in college. Mm. There were five of us, five very good friends, and they all knew what they wanted to do. And I didn't really have a clue until, like they wanted, someone wanted to go into accounting, someone wanted to go into law, someone wanted to go into travel. And I really didn't have the clue until Mm. one day I decided, actually, Pamela, you like watching TV, you love fashion, and you love music. Mm. So that's where, you, that's where you should go. Mm. And I think, I didn't realise how important that was at the time, that actually it's important that you do, do something you love mm-hmm. or be in a career in an industry that you love. Mm. And so that's where I started, and that's where my focus was. I thought at the time, I think, you know, people were going into marketing and business, so I thought marketing, PR was my route. Mm. And we had to do work experience, and back in those days, I just mm. wrote letters, and I started big. I, I wrote letters to all the top designers, all the big TV, you know, companies, um, mm. even, not even just in the UK, even to the US. I sent letters everywhere, mm. and... That's where I started. I was lucky enough to get work experience with in Westwood. Um, I was then, I mean, my course, the work experience had finished, but mm-hmm. they allowed me to come back and go to um, a Paris fashion show. Mm-hmm. So it was it was quite funny because at the time, here's me, I think I was 18, 19 at the time, mm. and I'm not a seamstress. Trust me. And yet, here I am at the fashion, um, at the Paris fashion show, and I'm pinning, you know, supermodels. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm saying in my head, stop shaking and just don't pin Naomi Campbell and it will be fine. Right. And literally, that's what I did. And then I was dressing fashion models behind the scenes, running, trying to do boots up. Um, and that's how it kind of all started. So once I had that on my CV... I was able to go and do some work experience for um, Mm. Channel Four and a program at the time called The Big Breakfast. um, I did PR for that, which then kind of led me um, to get experience and have good names on my CV. Mm. And it was interesting because at the time I was able to get into fashion, I was able to get into TV, but music was one area where. I could not get into, no matter how many letters I wrote, mm. and I really wanted to work with this one particular company, BMG, mm. um, and that was really difficult, and mm. yes, no matter how many letters I wrote, just it wasn't happening, mm. and then at the time I'd finished university, and I was working in a gym. Um, just because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do at the time. And I was Mm. kind of writing letters and nothing was quite happening. But I knew I needed the job and I've always worked. I've never not worked. Mm. Um, And then one day I was playing the first Alicia Keys album at the gym and a member comes up and was like, oh, how did you discover this album? And I was like, oh, because at the time I would go into um, music record shops Mm. and I would literally just browse the counters and just pick up albums that kind of looked pretty at the time. I may not have heard of the artist, Mm. um, but I would literally just browse and pick up something that I thought, this looks interesting. Um, And so I picked up the Alicia Keys album and was playing it at work. And the gentleman happened to be a TV promotions manager Mm. at BMG, the one record company where Mm. I wanted to work. and so we got talking about that and that's how i found out about him but i must admit it took me a year to build up the courage to actually ask him if i could come in work experience mm. and so when i finally did he said yes of course i ran to my boss at the gym i was like i'm taking next week off it wasn't even an ask it wasn't even a question it was i am taking next week off because i want to do this mm. so i took the week off went in and did what we um, years um, a week's work experience and then I was like okay one week isn't long enough you don't really learn much you're just kind of there and it's good to have in your cv but it reinforced for me that's where I wanted to be Mm. so at the time I had one day off a week because I was working at the gym and I also had kept my Saturday job which was at Selfridges Mm-hmm. And I loved working at Zalbachit, so um, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, I'd love seeing all the clothes and the jewelry and everything that was coming in. And so I knew I had one day a week off, and that day was Friday. So I said, Can I come in every Friday for free um, just to do work experience? And they were like, Sure. So I literally, again, did that for a year. And it meant working seven days a week, Mm. but I didn't care. There were some days where I was too tired, so I wouldn't come in, but I didn't care. That Mm. was where I wanted to be, so that's where my focus was. Mm. And then from there, I was lucky enough... It is a long story, so you have to bear with me. I was lucky enough to be offered a 10th position. Mm. And everyone thought I was crazy leaving a full-time paying position. For a tenth position, that mm. was like no. This is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. Handed in my notice, and then unfortunately, the gentleman who had offered me the work experience was made redundant, and so I was in a position where I hadn't actually signed a contract. Another lesson: always mm. make sure you receive a contract before you um, hand in your notice,
0: mm.
1: and. I was like what am I going to do so I wasn't at the time I was also scared I was like how am I going to go in back into the office everyone's going to know that I was offered this job but then it didn't happen and I was quite I was embarrassed I don't know why because it wasn't like it was my fault but no. I was embarrassed but I was like no come on, P. this is an opportunity you have to go in so I think it was about two, three weeks later that I went in on the Friday, still carrying on with my work experience. And a lady said to me, oh, I haven't seen you for a while. Explain the situation. And she's like, oh, I'm looking for someone to cover maternity cover. Do you want the job? And that's how I got my um, job as then I was working in facilities. Um, but that's how I got my job, yeah, at BMG at the time. And it was that year, that team. It was the best year. We had
0: so
1: much fun. Mm. And then, yeah, I kind of carried on through there. There's so many things to tell you. I could go on about my journey forever, <laughs> but that's literally how I how I uh, landed in music.
0: How I mean, so many people go through um, the experience of not knowing what they want to do with their careers. Mm. You're not quite sure. Um, where you're supposed to be or what will be fulfilling. Um, and I know for a lot of people, it can you can feel so much pressure when you see everyone around you seemingly very clear on where they're going, what they're going to study, what work they're going to do, or what career they're going to have. How did you withstand that pressure? Or what was the experience actually like for you to see everyone else around you seemingly having it together and you're still like, oh, don't know. <laughs>
1: um it was hard because like I said there was five of us and four four of my friends they knew exactly what they wanted to do and they had the clear um road in the map or yes travel law accountancy they knew exactly what they wanted to do and I felt it hard I'm not gonna lie looking Mm -hmm. back um I did find it hard and I think I chose subjects as I chose business history and communication studies to do my A-levels in and actually I'm not even quite sure how I came to the decision I figured I think history because I enjoyed and to this day I still like history Mm. Um, business studies because I thought marketing you know why not and then communications maybe because of TV I'm not I can't even remember why I chose those topics. Mm. But it was hard. But it wasn't easy. And because I didn't know, I did have that added pressure at that age. Mm. You know, you're 16, 17, which I find quite interesting. You're expected to know what you want to do mm. um, for the rest of your life. Mm. And it's like, you're only just it yourself, mm. let alone know what you want to do as a job forever and ever. Mm. Um, and that's when I had that moment and it wasn't until my second year, I think it was, doing my A-levels, my final year, that I just thought, you know what, happened? just do what you like. And, and to this day, I still, that is my main, my main focus. Mm. You have to do what you like, because you spend, you spend more time at work mm. than you do with your family. Mm. And so if you don't like what you do, that is torture. But that can be
0: really hard. And I just didn't want to do that. Right. Now, you know, under normal circumstances, when we are, you know, in our careers and something happens, like, for instance, it could be retrenchment or your company just shuts down um, or maybe you are constructively dismissed, whatever the case may be. You know, there's so much unpredictability when it comes to our careers and no matter how efficient and committed and dedicated one may be and skilled, no matter how, you know, how how amazing you may be at your job, there's always a risk that you may lose your job for whatever reason, somewhere along the way. And there's a compassion that people in, generally ha- in general have, whether it's family and friends, or whether it's the broader community that we have for people who lose their jobs, or whatever the case may be. And, you know, it's okay, you know, you'll get another job, just, you know, be patient, we got you, whatever the case may be. But for some reason, for people who find themselves in situations like you did, where Here was an opportunity where you took a risk because you were following a dream that you had and now you find yourself without a job because there was no contract and the person who had brought you on board is now leaving. You specifically had said that you felt some sort of shame around that, which is very interesting for me because the reality is that in so many instances, there is a lot of shame that people direct towards people who have taken a risk and it hasn't worked out the way they hoped that it would. How did you handle that?
1: I... Oh, that's a good question. I had to say to myself that this is what I want. I had to put myself out there and not hide Mm. because... I knew that this was an opportunity for me. Um, yes, the again, the temp job hadn't hadn't materialized, but I had to remind myself that was through no fault of my own, mm-hmm. and if I wanted to carry on and work with this company, and that 's what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. then I literally had to pull my shoulders back and and put myself out there, and because and, they weren't saying no to me, mm. they like the TV promotions department, they weren't saying no to me, that mm. there was still an opportunity. So, just because the main opportunity to work Monday to Friday hadn't materialized again through no fault of my own, why should I shut down that other opportunity with the TV promotions department? who were happy to have me for one day. Mm. And then that would lead, could potentially lead on to other things. And it did, because literally, if I hadn't walked through the door that day, the head of facilities wouldn't have said, oh, I hadn't seen you in a while, what happened? Mm. And me then explained the situation wouldn't have given me the job with a brilliant team. I mean, we laughed every day when I was there, mm. which then led me to work my way into marketing
0: Mm. so
1: you have to you have to keep in your head the goal you have to remember what your end goal is Mm. that is what kept me going Mm -hmm. and I had to say to myself it was no fault of my own Mm. I mean looking back at the time I don't think I spoke to myself so so succinctly so clearly Mm. but it was keeping the end goal in mind and understanding that Yes, my path might be easy, but what is the end goal?
0: Mm. And how can I still get there? Mm. Mm. I love that. Now, in, in recent years, and, you know, this could be attributed to, you know, the increasing usage of social media and the connectedness, the global connectedness um, of people through platforms like social media. Um, we have grown an awareness in terms of understanding environments in countries that we may have never even set foot on. Um, in particular, we think about, most recently, everything that's been happening in the United States, um, you know, the, the, the issues of racial inequality, uh, police violence against Black people, um, the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, etc. Um, and gosh, even more names now. Um, what has be- become so abundantly clear is that the system of, of racism and discrimination against black people and black women and you know, uh, just marginalized groups across the board, the LGBTQIA plus community, what we know for sure is that the system is globally consistent Because whether you're in South Africa, whether you're in the United States, whether you're in the UK, our experiences seem to be scarily similar. Uh, We see that the system is globally pervasive. It's in every space, it's in every geography. And it is globally enforced in terms of how the system is actually used, how power is abused to ensure that the inequality remains the way that it is and that change, meaningful change, doesn't actually happen. What have your experiences been like as a black woman living, existing, working in the United Kingdom?
1: My experience has been... It's been industry because I've worked in fashion and TV in, you know, media, so to speak. Mm. You would think it's been more accepting. Mm. And in some ways it has, but in other ways, in most places, I was the only black woman. When I started working at Vivian Westwood, I was the only black lady. Mm. When I was working at Channel 4... Uh, again, that was a very short period of time at the time. Um, I don't recall there being many black women. Mm. Um, When I started working in the music industry, yes, there were um, black men and women, but then the higher up you would go, the more male-orientated it became and the um, more more, um, white men who were in the key positions mm. so my experience has always been I'm the rare one I'm the rarity and mm. I think it's quite a, the same for the majority of people where we're the only one mm. and then when we do see someone ask we're like oh my gosh there's another person and we're excited and we're happy for them mm. um, It's a difficult question because, in some ways, I haven't. Looking back on my career, mm. I guess you could say that I've done amazing things and I've done brilliant things. And some people would look at me and say, "Oh, but racism hasn't affected you, in, you know, in, and what you wanted to do." But it it has in a sense that I'm the only one.
0: Mm. So
1: yes, I've kept my head. I'd want to say kept my head, but. I've been focused on what I wanted to do, but I've been the only one, mm. and why isn't there more? And that alone can affect you. And I've been very fortunate, because I'm working in fashion and media. I haven't had to dress a certain way. I haven't had to conform a certain way. Um, I used to have, a, you know, a big macro, and it wasn't until how many years back now, I can't remember how many years back, where I was having a conversation with a friend and she was, she asked me, "Oh, has your hair, you know, affected you at work? And I was like, no, it mm. hadn't even occurred to me that it would. And yet I know now that if you, you know, reading about um, people's journey, if it's law, if it's accountancy, and working for, you know, big firms, mm. quote, unquote, that, that wouldn't, they couldn't do that. Mm um you know it wouldn't as you know reading and talking to people it doesn't look professional and I'm like what's professional what's not professional about my hair Mm. I mean and I couldn't imagine having to go through that and kind of almost hide yourself Mm. or yeah literally you're hiding yourself you're and that's a big part of you. Um, and having the freedom to wear what I want or do what I want with my hair, but knowing that Monday to Friday, nights or five, I can't show a part of myself, a part mm. of my culture. Mm. Um, you know, that I think, I don't know how women do it. And I applaud them.
0: Mm. It's definitely something that, you know, is is, is quite common as far as the policing of, of black identity and culture is concerned within the workplace, because, you know, work culture and professionalism is always linked to European and Western standards that are not black and that are not of color. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been very interesting to me to see more and more conversations from women from the UK speaking about this issue of professional and non-professional hair. Mm -hmm. And then you have a Boris Johnson and you're like, sir, (laughs) you're a whole prime minister and this is your hair. (laughs) And nobody has an issue with it, you know, because he's a white man. Exactly. And it's so insane because how do you explain justify the fact that the hair that grows out of people's scalps naturally is unprofessional no, no. and yet there it, are policies it. that support this and enforce this and force people to either wear wigs or to chemically treat their hair to straighten it um, and it's just it, it's, a, it's all just so exhausting
1: <laughs> I agree I mean I, I just can't Happen. i mean i just can't i i don't know literally how women have done
0: it mm. i really don't mm. what is it that made you feel that last year was a good time for you to launch the sisterhood uk and what is your intention for that platform
1: Last year, I think it was a mixture of the two things, being at home because of the pandemic, Mm. and also because of, we've mentioned it briefly, George Floyd's death. Mm. But I wanted to create a space. I was at home, obviously, like we all were, and going through Instagram. And I thought to myself, where is the space that is showing the older British women and what they're achieving and what they're doing? Mm. Um, I'm not young Mm. (laughs) and I wanted to see women like me. Mm. And when you also, it's been that way for a while, it's clearly changing. in America, you have Essence magazine and you have O magazine. Mm. Um, and clearly Vogue is is with um, the new British director is, is doing amazingly well. But when you look at these magazines and you see a black woman, then you click on the black woman and then it takes you to their page, but they're American. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. But where are... the? black British women mm. and I don't think we're celebrated enough
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I just wanted to create something that celebrates us
0: mm. um,
1: and shows that yes we are doing brilliant things, amazing mm. things and we are running businesses um, and we're moving forward
0: mm. Mm. I love that one of the challenges that are often raised when we're having conversations about bringing together Black women to create impactful communities um, in light of all of the challenges that we're dealing with on a daily basis, but also in terms of collectively organizing ourselves to be able to grab the opportunities that are available to us in terms of you know, creating some small bits of change or progress towards change in terms of grabbing opportunities that are available to us and making those opportunities available to others as well. So when you're in, how do you get others in? You know, um, how do you, if you know that there is vacancies in your organization, how do you, you know, get more black women into the environment, etc., etc. And this conversation comes through often, particularly when we're speaking about the dynamics between black women and the workplace and the number of complaints I come across where people say that when they do have adverse experiences within the workplace, oftentimes it is at the hands of another black woman, Um, whether it's their line manager or somebody who's just in a more senior position who just makes life incredibly difficult for them. And they feel a sense of betrayal because they feel like, uh, sis, <laughs> we're kind of fighting the same battle here. So why are you making this so much harder for me? And as somebody who is working to build an online community for women to come together because of our commonalities and to come together because we want to give each other visibility and community and support and... um you know, all of these things, how do you think we can begin to overcome those hurdles where we don't see each other as threats, where we actually see each other as allies, as people who will support each other, as people who will stand by each other, um, amplify each other's voices, um, expose each other to opportunities, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. How do you think we can achieve that? Oh,
1: that's a difficult question. Mm. I think... First of all, we have to understand why um, women and black women have felt that way in the past. Uh, um, because for women and black women to get to the position they, they are in, uh, they had to work extremely hard
0: uh,
1: to get there. And I do think there is also a bit of, maybe, I don't want to say the younger generation, but when you made it, quote, unquote, people expect you to help them without actually you putting in the work as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so you have to understand that, yes, we are there, we're in that space, and I, for one, will happily help you, but you also have to put in the work. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the same thing as doing, um, you know, your manifesting, you, mm. just because you're saying I want this, I want this, I am this but without doing the work doesn't necessarily mean you, you're going to get there mm. so in we have to have those conversations with our younger generation, with our nieces, with our sisters and say look just because that person is there and they, they quote unquote made it mm. doesn't necessarily mean doesn't necessarily mean that they will have to help you so we have to be aware that one we can't just expect someone to bring you in without you doing the work and mm-hmm. probably what's happened mm-hmm. in the past is that we've brought people in and then they haven't done the work and then that kind of has a knock on effect on you because mm-hmm. of what you're trying to create mm-hmm. but in your workplace people were then looking at you and that's almost then taking you pushed you back a few steps
0: Mm.
1: and so at the same time you also have to realise that one, we can't do it all alone Mm -hmm. and two it is about helping people and bringing people in Mm. and I will happily bring you in I will happily um, put you in touch with people but you have to do the work Mm. and I think it's it's twofold it's making people realise yes, you have to do the work and hopefully women realise that we can help each other, mm-hmm. and we should help each other. It's not just all about me. Mm. And if, how, if we don't actually help each other, how are we going to see change?
0: Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And so for the women who do join your community, the Sisterhood UK on Instagram... Um, what is the experience that you want them to have after interacting with your account?
1: I want... I want to create a space where people, where black women know, one, they are seen, mm-hmm. two, they're encouraged, mm. and three, they're inspired. Mm. I want them to see that, yes, there are other women out there black women out there doing incredible, incredible things, starting their own business um, speaking about financial wealth and how they can build generational wealth
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and if they can see it, as the saying goes, if you can see it, then you can be it
0: mm-hmm.
1: I want to inspire, so I mean I, I have no idea what I'm doing with Instagram in all fairness, I mean I'm learning as I go along mm-hmm. I'm, I'm learning about posting. I still haven't done, you know, reels. My cousin has to remind me to post on stories. Mm. And yeah, I'm trying. Mm. I'm, I'm trying literally to build something. And if that can inspire someone to try and build their dreams or build something, mm. then, then that can surely can only be a brilliant thing. And I also want to offer some support because support, we don't, as you said before, sometimes in our own families, in our own friendships, when you're trying to um, build something or you're changing, unfortunately, your own circle may not necessarily build you up. Mm -hmm. But I want black women to know that they can come to the sisterhood and they can be built up. Mm -hmm. They will know that there is someone there or there is a group of women there who will cheer you on. Mm. I don't know who you are, but I know that if you've got a dream, if you want to build on something, if you want to try try something, we will build you up. We mm. will say, go for it. We will be your cheerleaders because that's what we need.
0: Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Now, June in South Africa um, is when we commemorate Youth Month. Um, And so for for my podcast during the course of June, um, I do ask my guests to speak a little bit about exactly what their current professions entail and how they have gotten to where they are. And so for people who may not necessarily know what a professional personal assistant does, can you just break it down for us? Sure, so my job
1: basically focuses around a few core areas diary management, travel when we travel um, expenses and events and so my job is to basically do all those things that lets my directors, my VP handle their job Mm. Um, so it's like I work on all the small events, all the, the little things so they don't have to worry about it, Mm. which in effect makes them look good. Mm. So it's also about people management and people skills because your director is in back-to-back meetings all day, but they don't know what's happening with the team. Mm. Um, I will know what's happening with the team. I will know when someone's upset, something didn't happen that was supposed to happen, or something brilliant has happened. So I'm also their connection to the team as well. Um, so yeah that's kind of it basically in a nutshell
0: okay perfect thank you so for anybody who would love to connect with you online um where can they find you
1: so i'm um at the on instagram um my handle is at the sisterhood underscore uk you can um also email me Mm -hmm. um but the, that's primarily where you get to um, get in touch. And I'm always on Instagram, and I will always see um, any messages. Or if you want any advice or tips, I'm always on there. So feel free to reach out, and slide into my DMs, as they say.
0: <laughs> Perfect, Pamela. Thank you so much for what you've shared today, um, and thank you for making the time to have a conversation with me on the workplace revolution.
1: No, thank you very much.
0: And thank you for joining us for another episode of The Workplace Revolution with me, Sile Bolani. I'll see you again next time.